It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, July 28, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Assembly will consider the final CARES Act budget when it meets tonight. The Assembly has already approved $4.5 million for utility and mortgage subsidies. The rest of the $14 million the city received in federal coronavirus relief funds was shaped into a budget by a working group. The Assembly will consider final approval of that budget tonight. It includes $5 million earmarked for small business and nonprofit grants, over $2 million for new city-funded programs, $1 million for city mitigation costs, and around half a million dollars for the Sitka School District. And the Assembly will again consider a resolution asking Sitkins to wear cloth face masks to reduce the spread of the coronavirus. A nearly identical resolution narrowly failed at the Assembly table earlier this month. The main difference? The new resolution does not, quote, order Sitkins to wear masks in public. It, quote, encourages mask wearing. The Sitka Assembly meets tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Another candidate filed for a Sitka Assembly seat on Monday. Steve Lee is running for one of two open seats on the Sitka Assembly in the October municipal election. This is Lee's second time running for the Sitka Assembly. His first candidacy was unsuccessful in 2019. Lee is the second candidate to file for a Sitka Assembly seat after Frank Leo Jimmy. Assembly members Stephen Eisenbeis and Richard Ween currently occupy the seats that are up for re-election. The mayor's seat is also open, and incumbent Gary Paxton has filed for re-election last week. Two school board seats are also open. The filing period to run for Sitka Assembly is open until August 7th at 5 p.m. The state saw a huge uptick in coronavirus numbers over the weekend, the largest jump it's seen since the pandemic began. And on Monday, local health officials announced three new coronavirus cases in Sitka. A man in his 30s was tested on July 23rd. He was not experiencing symptoms at the time. A woman in her 20s with symptoms was tested on July 19th. And a woman in her 60s was also tested positive, but there is no information on when she received testing or whether she had symptoms. All three patients are residents and are isolating at home. As case numbers increase, public health officials have made changes to keep from being overwhelmed. Local public health nurses are doing contact tracing for coronavirus cases across the state, rather than only for their own communities, in an attempt to make the process more efficient and reduce the workload for contact tracers. Still, in some instances, it's taking nearly two weeks for people to receive their test results, leading to a backlog of cases at the state level. So there's a push for more information from the public. When the Sitka Unified Command met last week, City Administrator John Leach started the meeting by saying he'd received criticism about not being transparent enough with the public in the city's COVID-19 response. But he said the public is not usually privy to all of the government's process when dealing with disaster emergencies. You know, the public and the press are not present when our military are planning an attack on Fallujah. Um, They hear about it. They hear the details after it happens. And they are told that the mission was accomplished, whatever their mission was, uh, whatever they were assigned to do. Um, I'm not trying to say this is a military operation we have going on here, but um, we need to get our job done. Leach said that it's at the assembly level where public input can happen, and that's why the Unified Command has assembly liaison members. During the portion of the meeting that is recorded for the public, Leach said that the city had recently been denied a couple of requests from state and federal officials. The state denied a request for 30,000 cloth face masks just one day after announcing it would make a number of masks available for cities. They had, from what I understand, a couple million of them available, and they went quick. Leach said they were looking at other opportunities to receive a stock of cloth masks, including more that may come up with the state. Currently, Sitka has 33 coronavirus cases, 21 residents, 11 non-residents. 26 of the patients have recovered. 
The city and borough of Yakutat reported four new coronavirus cases over the weekend. Yakutat Incident Command announced Sunday that there are currently five known cases of the virus in the small community. That's four resident cases and one non-resident case. They announced the community's first case last Thursday. The Yakutat Community Health Center sent the test to the state of Alaska lab for analysis. Because of privacy concerns, officials generally aren't releasing demographic information for patients in communities with populations under 1,000. Yakutat has a population of 600. Local health officials and state of Alaska personnel are reaching out to any individuals who have tested positive for the virus and giving them more information on what to do, according to a press release from Yakutat Public Safety. The health center has offered free drive-through COVID-19 testing and testing at the airport for daily flights. In a video on Facebook, health officials asked Yakutat residents to return to an earlier hunker-down order. Yakutat Tribal Health Board Chair Kathy Bremner said that means returning to smaller household bubbles and wearing a mask when socializing within six feet of anyone outside the household. It is up to us as community members when this virus will spread rampant through our village, to our babies and to our elders, or whether we contain and significantly slow the spread over the next 14 days. In response to the recent outbreak, the clinic canceled regular outpatient visits but is still on call for emergencies. Health officials also asked businesses to consider temporarily requiring masks if they don't already. U.S. Coast Guard responders from Air Station Sitka rescued several stranded boaters over the weekend. On Saturday, a Sitka helicopter crew assisted a man whose boat was grounded in Hood Bay, near the southwest corner of Admiralty Island. They brought a pump to keep the boat from taking on water and helped the owner secure the vessel. Before Coast Guard responders arrived, the man told watchstanders in Juneau that an aggressive bear on the beach prevented him from getting out of the boat safely and making it to shore. According to a representative from the Coast Guard, the man said the bear was, quote, charging his boat, but she could not confirm whether the bear was still there by the time first responders arrived. A nearby Good Samaritan vessel brought the man aboard and took him to Angoon. The U.S. Coast Guard Sunday hoisted two people and two dogs from a remote bay south of Petersburg. A Good Samaritan reported a man overboard at 721 in the morning Sunday in Kashitz Bay on southern Kupranoff Island, about 18 miles from Petersburg. An MH-60 Jayhawk helicopter from Air Station Sitka arrived on scene around 8 a.m. Coast Guard Lieutenant Commander Will Sorokman was on the helicopter that responded. I'm not sure how they got into this position, but the boat was wedged uh, underneath a tree that was in the creek with um, kind of pretty swift water on either side. So it wasn't, and it, this wasn't a fallen tree. It looked like it was just a, a large tree that was overhanging the river. Um, and because the, the water had risen, I think the boat was just kind of jammed underneath. Sorokman says when the helicopter arrived, one person was still in the skiff with the dogs and one person was on shore nearby. They were concerned about getting that person out of the boat with the swift water. Uh, but the, the Kavarinsky Shimmer was able to rig up a kayak uh, with some lines attached and they were able to shuttle the person in the boat and the two dogs out to shore from the, from the boat. Uh, and then we, we just hoisted all, basically the two... Two people and two dogs and the rescue swimmer back into the helicopter. And thankfully, they were in, in good shape. They didn't need medical attention, and we dropped them off in Petersburg. The boaters had VHF radio and signals, which aided the Coast Guard in locating them. The area saw heavy rainfall Saturday night into Sunday morning, swelling creeks. Kashitz is a popular recreation fishing stream with a run of sockeye salmon and U.S. Forest Service cabins at the creek mouth and lake nearby. 
Like other communities in Alaska, Anchorage is struggling with how and where to build a treatment center and housing for the community's homeless population. After nearly 30 hours of in-person public testimony last week, the Anchorage Assembly heard vastly different perspectives. While the Assembly says they've received thousands of emails in support of the plan, the majority of hundreds of in-person testifiers were against it. Some of the negative testimony was fueled by a conservative opposition group called Intervention 2020. Alaska Public Media's Kavitha George has more. People testifying against the property purchases this month said they were concerned about the planning process, threats to neighborhood safety, and declining property values in the areas around proposed locations for the new housing and resource facilities for the homeless. Proposing alternative solutions, some residents referenced Intervention 2020, a campaign organized online and spearheaded by Nick Begich Jr., the brother of former U.S. Senator Mark Begich, and Anchorage businessman David Cuddy. Here's Begich speaking to the assembly on the last day of testimony. We found a way to whip up the public sentiment to make sure you guys would at least hear that. This is what people want to have addressed. The criminal things that are destroying the city that aren't addressed. They should be addressed first. The platform emphasizes increased prosecution for minor crimes like trespassing, public intoxication, and creating a public nuisance. And it lays out a controversial plan, what organizers call a, quote, tough love approach to housing the homeless through forced incarceration and treatment at the Palmer Correctional Facility. The plan may not be legal. Dan Coons, director of Alaska Legal Services' Fair Housing Project, says prosecuting low-level offenses is unnecessarily expensive and in some cases unconstitutional. He argues that the plan unfairly penalizes people for the act of being homeless. By saying that we'll send you off to be put in a former prison facility simply because you're violating trespassing ordinances, which if you're homeless, you know, you're going to be probably doing that as a matter of what you're doing to live your life when you don't have shelter and a home to go to. Kuhn says forcibly relocating people, especially those suffering from alcoholism or addiction, would violate the Fair Housing Act. During his testimony, Bigich said he disagreed with Kuhn's analysis, but did not explain further. Bigich has not responded to multiple requests for comment. City officials and homeless advocates in Anchorage have long called for more accessible housing to help relieve the strain on shelters and provide a permanent way out for people experiencing homelessness. The approach of creating permanent housing rather than housing people in emergency shelters like Brother Francis is tested and has shown success in other communities. Samuel Johns is an Alaska Native homelessness advocate in Anchorage. He says the negative testimony about the homeless property purchases was often rooted in fear and ignorance. And these people are like, but they're too ugly. They they don't smell good. And I'm like, holy crap, we're like, we're in this historical time right now. We don't have time for ignorance. John says the forced incarceration idea is a, quote, lazy solution aimed at protecting gentrification in the city. As COVID-19 rental and mortgage protections start to go away this month, he says he's looking forward to the city's property purchase plan as a way to help offset the wave of evictions he expects is coming. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Kavitha George. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.